The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello. Today I am here with Jennifer Gilbert, who is the founder and chief visionary officer of Save the Date, which is based here in New York City. It's based, it's a hospitality and special events company, and they've just celebrated 25 years in business, which is super exciting. Um, what's very interesting about this company is that she pioneered a very unique approach, which has earned her several awards, including Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year, participation in MIT's three-year Birthing of Giants Fellowship Program, and also Working Women Magazine's Entrepreneur Award of Excellence. As a result of not surprising. She speaks to international companies and industry peers, facilitating discussions about resiliency, entrepreneurship, and endurance, including a TEDx talk on the entrepreneurial spirit. She's been a keynote speaker at BizBash and a fixture on a season of the Real Housewives of New York City <laughs> as the event planner of choice. I <laughs> love that one. I gotta laugh. That, that one's one. that one we're gonna talk about. Uh, but one of Jennifer's greatest accomplishments is her book entitled "I Never Promised You a Goodie Bag," probably up for one of the best titles ever. Um, she's also writing her second book right now about sales and the art of the cold call. So, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. You've got such an First of all, obviously, as a female entrepreneur, it's amazing. But just your your story, even even as it reads from your bio, which doesn't even begin to under, have people understand the depth of who you are and how this came about, is so exciting and impressive. And you you do so much to try to give back, which I love about you. But I would love for you, as I try to do in all of these sessions, is um, give a little background about just how you know. Your entry into the world, so like your childhood. I always feel yeah. like it's it's interesting and grounding for people to hear how people um, spent their early formative years. I really think I was born an entrepreneur. I mean, from the time I was little, little, four or five years old, I used to gather the neighborhood kids, and I would put on a circus starring me, of course. <laughs> I would like swing on a tire, do acrobats, and charge them. Just, I mean, I was no. I swear. Where, where, so where was this? In Westchester. In Westchester. Yep. Okay, so here. And then I would freeze our basketball court, which was basically like cement in the winter. Yeah, and then I would be like ice skating rink and charge people. I mean, I was no. always doing this. Mm-hmm. To All through high school, I had some like side hustle going. I was selling jewelry. I was making things all the no time. No kidding. No kidding. I loved it. I, I had, really see, I did. had no idea. I've known you. I yeah. had no idea about this. Yep. So where did you, did you have this, obviously the entrepreneurial thing was a just sort of innate in you, a natural, um, but did you then think, okay, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to study, what was, yeah. what was your thinking? Um, I went to college. I studied business um, and marketing, mm -hmm. and um, after that I took a sort of, I would say semester, but it was really more like a year off, but I worked in London, so I got a, a visa to work in London. Where did so, you work there? I mean, I would have done anything, but it just <laughs> so happens that I got hooked up with a man who did huge events and concerts. 
and at Wembley and everywhere else. Oh, fun. And so I was sort of in charge of getting things for free. And I had never done this before, but she was like, oh, you're an American. She has no problem asking for things. I was like, all right, I don't. And I, I just started doing production for him. And a natural hustler by mm-hmm. birth, yes, right? Yes. And so you had all those years of training I was in your a backyard. friendly stalker. <laughs> you are. And, I'm very and, persistent. And people, who, unless they're looking at the site and see your picture, she's also beautiful. So the people are going to talk to you anyway. And so then, you know, the, the world is your oyster. I think if you're humorous... And, you know, you get people to laugh yeah, and not sound like a sale. And they're friendly. And they're friendly. And, you know, somehow you just have to get around that strange thing. I mean, I don't know. Even now, I mean, my book that I'm working on is yeah. about the cold call. I always don't understand why people are scared. I'm like, it's a phone. <laughs> no one's going to hurt you. Just ask for what you want. <laughs> the it's worst they can say is no. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. Right. Yeah, it's, but it's hard. People have a very, I, I talk about it, and I think on a few of the other episodes of my podcast. But you know, children, you've got children. Mm-hmm. I have children. You have three children, right? Mm-hmm. And I have, I have two. And my son, who's still in high school, my last one, he'll come home and he'll say, you know, something, some drama, of course. And I'll be like, pick up the phone, mm-hmm. just or to go and pull them aside. Don't text them. Don't story. And it's it's happened like even twice in the last couple of weeks. And it's it's a it's something that you have to learn because they I think this generation especially that's a very uncomfortable thing to put themselves out by their voice or in person. I think so. I mean, I think, you know, it's I always say it's incredible what you get when you actually ask for something. Like anyone who asks me for help, I help them. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know, and it was very sweet because we had a big celebration for our company this year. All the women in my office, because I happen to have only women, mm-hmm. made me uh, a sign because I love text. And it's my favorite quote. And it's, you don't ask, you don't get. Uh. <laughs> so they made it for me, a big sign. It was really, really cute. Yeah. And I do that to my kids, too. I'm like, you don't ask, you don't get. Right. And it's so much harder to say no to somebody in person. I find yes. it's easy to do it digitally. It's much harder to do it when exactly. you're looking at somebody, right? It's exactly. a great lesson. So things weren't always easy. And in fact, no. your book, I Never mm-hmm. Promised You a Goodie Bag, um, goes into great detail. So I know that um, you've, you've shared this before and are willing yeah. to share. But you came back from London. I did. I and came back to from New York. London. I mean, I, you know, I, I wrote this, but this was, you know, Back in the 80s, mm-hmm. and uh, I was wearing a Donna Karen onesie and like a power suit, you know, nice. and I'm imagining myself working on Wall Street because I would have probably gone right into Wall Street. Um, and, you know, we plan and God laughs, kind yeah. of, but mm-hmm. this was not very funny. Um, I had really just been back maybe a week, and I went into the city to visit my girlfriend, who was my roommate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, unbeknownst to me, I was followed off the subway, and it was a beautiful day. I mean, it, the sun was shining. It was in May, like perfect, you know, 4 o'clock. Yeah. Um, and I was followed off the subway, and this man followed me into my friend's apartment building, and I had no idea. And um, I will skip the gory details, but um, he proceeded to attack me, and I was stabbed 37 times God. with a screwdriver. The screwdriver. And, um, I mean, it went in, it was in the hallway, and then it continued into my friend's actual apartment. 
I mean, I absolutely thought I'm dead. This man's so you were me. running. He's attacking. You're running. You're trying to get to her. She was. Was she there? Um, she was there. She locked herself in her room, um, which I don't blame her for. Nobody knows what they would do in that situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there was nowhere for me to go. I mean, I'm I, I'm running into a little square room. Yeah, right. So um, I fought, I fought, I fought, I fought. I screamed. I yelled. I kicked. I beat. I fought. Um, and you know, as sort of as quickly as it came on, he got up and left because he saw the five women that were sitting in the room where he followed me to. I didn't see them. So he knew people were going to Yeah. Call the police. Come in. <clears throat> and I didn't even I didn't even know until the trial that there were other people in the room. That's how focused I was on just my life. Yeah. <clears throat> so um those were very dark days. He left. So he turned around, left, and you're he laying there. Left. I'm laying there. I was in complete shock. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't shed a tear. I was very calm, actually. Um, and then, you know, I knocked on the door of my friend, and she came out, and I said, you know, come out. He's gone. And she took one look at me, and she's shrieking at the top of her lungs. I mean, the one thing I do not remember at all is what I look like. I have forgotten completely, mm-hmm. physically, what I looked like. Mm-hmm. I can recall every minute of the attack, but not what I look like. So um, I, I look, she's just shrieking, and I kind of did like, not a slap across the face, but sort of a like shake, like stop. I need you to help me. Yeah. Call the police, call an ambulance, call my parents, but don't tell them what happened. And so, you know, then I just laid on the ground, and I'd lost so much blood. So, uh, you know, the ambulance driver came, and he's looking at me, and he's like, hang out. I mean, it was a movie. He was like, you know, what's your name? Hold on. Hold, hang Stay with me. And, uh, you know, I'm going down the hospital, and it's like multiple stab wounds, stat, and I have all these doctors, and it was just crazy. And when they, and I kept saying, like, keep it together, stay focused, stay focused. And they got me on the, you know, bed. Stretcher, the gurney, yeah. And uh, I looked at the doctor and he said, where were you hit? And I said, everywhere. And um, and I told him. And then I looked at him and I said, I'm going to go now. And out. Really? Mm-hmm. And you just pat. Wow. You're mm-hmm. 22 years old. I was 22. Old. You're 22 years the, I mean, the just the calm and the composure in such a horrific situation but i think in your book you go on to describe that was oh, then it was really bad yeah but then well, the recovery yeah the, the rec- trial it was it was the trial was 3 years later because he actually was a, a paroled murderer so he God. had to go back to jail for 3 years so somewhere in my mind i heard 3 years and i completely when i decided it was about 6 months later that you know if I let this man make me deviate my life mm-hmm. by like a centimeter, then he may as well have killed me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of stood up and that was one of the days that I was like, you picked the wrong girl. And I had, was living in Boston at the time, which was strange because I didn't know anybody in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and I packed up my things and I went back to New York and I was like, okay, that girl's gone. She doesn't exist anymore. There's a new girl 
and she's going to be polished and smiley and strong and put on her red lipstick and fight the world. And I really just became that. But, you know, the inside of me was thinking, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe my life would turn on a dime, which does. And I thought, you know, I just need to be around people celebrating because life is today. Life is the moment. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, truly, like, what do we have? We have our happiness. We have our joyous occasions. So I thought I need to be around people laughing and dancing and singing or communicating. And so I went to be a wedding planner. And that was not at all what I set out to do. <laughs> but I was like, well, who celebrates? Right. You know? So I, unmarried, yeah. of course, became like an event planner. But we did weddings at the company I was at. So this, I talk about these holy shit moments, these Hoshimos, and you had, uh, of everybody I've ever spoken to, mm -hmm. one of the most extraordinary but how you turned that into something yeah. positive and turned it into focusing on joy and lifting yourself up at such a young age where I can't, you know, I have to imagine the majority of people at that age would crumble and be in, you know, take a long time to actually feel like they were themselves, much less come out and be part of business and start something or do something that was joyous. And you, you were able to do that. I mean, I, I don't know where it comes from. I think it was the same resiliency that helped me save my life because when that happened, the police actually told me that only 7% of women fight back. Really? Seven. So, um, and I was, I was on it. I was with it. But I think, you know, life is a choice, right? Mm -hmm. So in that situation, if you've got the lightness on one side and the darkness on the other, you know, which one wins? The one you feed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was just not going to go to the dark place. So I started working for this company. And um, after about a year of doing the weddings and just sort of knowing the vendors and getting accustomed to New York City, which I had never really lived in, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to cultivate and my boss wanted me to cultivate a corporate market. So I said, okay, you know, how? And he gave me a phone book. And he's like, well, figure it out. For the kids listening, that's an actual book. It was an actual <laughs> book. There was no Google back then. That is for right? sure. So I thought, okay, well, who needs to plan things? And who's got money? And who has volume? Because it actually takes as much to plan 25 people as it does 2,500. Right. Logistics are a little different, but the planning is still the same. Mm -hmm. So I started to call investment banks and law firms and accounting firms, and um, I kept hearing the same thing over and over, which was, first, it was shame, honey, you just missed the 80s. I was like, yeah, I heard. That was, you know, Reagan. The rah-rah. Yeah, the rah-rah. Then it was recession. <laughs> Especially in New York. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and they said, we would love to hire you because... I can't even leave my desk. We're so busy, but that's my job. Yeah. And I heard it over and over again. I thought, well, if I'm going to corporate, there's somebody that does it already. A lot of the times it was an assistant mm -hmm. or human resources. They weren't planners, but they were in charge of that. And so I would figure out ways to have my feet included in the budget. I would talk to the CEO and say, well, you're paying your, you know, executive assistant overtime. Right. 
whatever that amount is, you know, plus some percentage of her everyday yep. salary. So, you know, slowly, 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 I started to build up my following um, because, you know, back then there was no internet, there was mm-hmm. no AOL. If you wanted to find a space, you huffed around. I mean, literally, there was like a little thing in the back of New York Magazine and maybe four people advertised. It was a very fragmented industry because <clears throat> your party could be at a hotel, a restaurant, a nightclub, a random loft. I mean, there were all these places and there were all these people and they couldn't find each other. So after about a year and a half of really doing quite well, I was like tripling my business mm-hmm. from another company. I had another one of your sort like of... Hoshimos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, wait, these people need venues and these venues need parties, and nobody is connecting them. And I said, well, they need a marketplace. And so I decided to flip the business model, and I was free to all these corporations, and I was supported by the venues because they were thrilled to have me as a salesperson. Ah. So I was either on salary or they paid me a monthly stipend, and, um, you know, at first I would bring a $60,000 party to a nightclub and they'd be like, here's 500 bucks, kid. <laughs> I was like, wow, I think I got to figure this out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by month four, I had all of these venues calling saying, how do I get on your list? And I said, you pay? And they said, okay. So I started my company that way. And then I went back. It was still sort of a hard sell because when you say free, people are like, what's the catch? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not not for profit. You just don't pay me. And so, you know, I talk about in my book a lot of my crazy cold calls sitting in people's office until they saw me, until I can explain what they did. And my first real client was Sally Ann Zanko. And back then it was Solomon Brothers. Uh And she was a tough nut to crack. But once I worked with her... I then got every single one of their Christmas parties. And then I would go to a different company. So I was... Those ha- are epic. The Christmas, the investment banking. I mean, banking. they were huge. <laughs> and, I, and I did everybody. I mean, literally everybody. I mean, I would do $8 million of parties in December. Oh. It was crazy. Um, and that's sort of what happened. And all of a sudden, I was like, I had five people. I had seven people. I had eight people. I had 12 people. I mean, you know, it was just growing. And... um and that was my business model. And so I really... And how old were you when you started that? 25. You were 25 when you started that. That's you know, yesterday. Um, <laughs> and yesterday. Exactly. <gasps> and, um, you know, I really revolutionized my business. And nobody had done this before. And I won the Ernst & Young Award. Right. And I thought, no way. Like... All these other companies had 200 employees. They had, you know, cyber somethings and security. And here I am, like, fluffing flowers. I mean, it was hysterical. (laughs) I was like, there's no, I just happened to be like the token woman. Um, And I won because I had really, I needed no capital. Yeah. I, you know, used the phone book. No investors, right? I had no investors. I had a lot of phones. because I left and I went not, on my not own. Not cell phones. Or mm-hmm. did you have the big... Oh, no, I had the big ones. The big, yeah. The bricks. Really, the big ones. With that, in this, that came in their own little suitcase. It was suitcase. a little bit after that. It okay. was like Nextel. Okay. Like it was, they were like big. Okay. Um, and house phones, let's not forget. Right. And so I just started and it sort of grew from that. And then a couple of years later, 
I decided to scale, and I had offices in five cities. Wow. Yep. Across the country? Across the country. D.C., New York, Chicago, L.A., and San Francisco. Wow. I had, yeah, employees everywhere, and I was traveling all over because it had to be my business model and my culture. And, you know, it's funny, then there was like the dot-com, so things started happening there. And I laugh because I'm I'm a data person. And so... Even though I'm not technical, <laughs> I knew what I wanted, and I basically built my own Salesforce back then. There was no such tool. People were using you know, an Excel spreadsheet. Right. But I customized a database so that all my different offices could see could exactly. Share. So let's say the president of Morgan Stanley only likes this kind of scotch. Wherever we did his events, he'd walk in the door and there's a scotch. And those little things are about hospitality. Oh, my God. Huge. And it's taking care of people. And it, and it's, you know, for me, it's always about the guest's experience. So, you know, we've just sort of grown from there. Um, and now I do a lot on the vendor side. I'm consultant for how they should actually set up their space while it's in construction. Um, we're exclusive on a lot of venues that are opening because they call me and we become their sales force before they need to hire one person. So, you know, it's... That's, so in this time frame, because this is... So how old How old were you when you had those five offices? I mean, how many years you... Probably... Did it take five years? Yeah. It was probably around 32, 31, 32, 33, around there. So this is... I mean, this is huge. And mm-hmm. somewhere along this way, your personal life yeah. happens... <laughs> I wasn't, you know, right? I went a different trajectory because I was not doing the dating thing. Scene. Right. One worry. Yeah. When is that going to happen? Well, I wasn't, I never had like a, hey, at the bar, come home with me because I would have to explain these scars. Not that I would anyway, but I would have to explain all these scars. <gasps> and so until I was really close to somebody and thought they would be around, I didn't have anyone come to my apartment. I didn't take my clothes off you know so it was still new Um, Mm. and so I really just focused on work and I felt while I was experiencing other people's joy um, I really didn't think I would have my own creating your own and so I really had nothing to give you know I mean I had a lot of boyfriends at times Mm -hmm. but inevitably it would end because I just I couldn't I couldn't do it and um, so I think it was like kind of through osmosis, yeah, you know, and um, and I I I did get married and I yeah. did have my kids and you know <laughs> things like that. So how and you had them. So how when did you have your first? I got married right before I was thirty four. Um, I actually married my absolute best friend, mm-hmm. which um, while he's a great guy, we are. Now not together yeah. because you know best friends are sort of best friends, right? Um, and yeah. so I had my my daughter when I was thirty six. I had my twins when I was thirty nine. It's not like your name is picked out of the bowl of bad things happen to you, and then it goes into a different bowl of you're done. Mm-hmm. It goes right back into the same bowl. And I had twin boys, mm-hmm. and by the age of two and a half to three, one of them was completely bald. Oh. And he had alopecia, 
And it started as Oreata, which is patches. But by three, you know, you know, hair, eyelashes, or eyebrows. So that was very shocking to me. And it really took a lot for me to realize that while I had my before and after, he now has his before and after. Yeah. And all of these old feelings for me started to come up. And all of these feelings of shame, because believe me, if I could have controlled one hair on his head yeah. to grow, yeah. I mean, I would have found the place to do it, the person to take him to. And really, one day I, I, I realized that if I don't make this okay for him, it won't be. Right. And the only reality that he has is my reality. Yeah. And so, you know, we learned about different and we learned in my house about empathy and compassion and kindness because we lived it. Yeah. And we still do. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I have a bracelet that says warrior <laughs> and I make my kids warriors in the kindest way. Yeah. But I just won't have them going through life like, why me? Right. I think, and do they know about your story? They know because I wrote a book right. that something bad bad happened mm -hmm. to me. My 14-year-old knows a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for them it was sort of like I was beaten up yeah. kind of thing. Right, right. Um, and the guy's in jail and the police did their job and right. the court system works. Right. The judge put him in jail, right. which he did, by the way, to go to trial. And he was sentenced to 27 years for attempted murder. Wow. So that was a victory. Yeah. Um, Plus and, a peace of mind for you. I mean, yeah. I would think, you know, whether or not, he, you know, it sounded like he was, he just, he randomly chose you. It sounds mm -hmm. like, you know, but still the thought that that's out there would be Well, hard. you know, you go through a lot of why me. Yeah, And of course. that was a big question for a long time. Like, did I do something wrong? Did I look the wrong way? Right. Did I sound the wrong way? You know, yeah. and here's my son. You know, yeah. and and he asked me, why me? Yeah. And, you know, I say, why not you? Yeah. Like, bad things happen. Mm -hmm. It's who you are after they happen. That's right. your choice. Right. And you rock the bald, and you're beautiful, and you're here to change this planet. Yeah. Because you have changed my life. Yeah. Because he got me to actually talk about what happened to me finally, you know, 20 years later. Really? Mm -hmm. It was because and of that him. was my, my book, because I started to journal what was going on with him. And then I realized, oh, my God, so much of this is about me. Yeah. And I yeah. better snap out of it really quick. Yeah. And, um, yeah. We, so I have to imagine, I have to imagine that you've, because of your story, that you've impacted, and your book's been out a while, mm -hmm. that you've impacted many people's lives. Is there any one, have you ever, like, did, has... Is there any one story of somebody who's reached out to you or who's come up to you that sticks out? Because I have to believe that. I still, I still get at least one, some weeks three, <laughs> emails, texts, messages of someone who read my book. It's really funny because <clears throat> it was everywhere and then it went quiet. Yeah. And there's sort of this resurgence somehow, I don't know. Um, well, we're going to create a new one with this. I so. hope so. It would be nice. <laughs> um, and people reach out and they tell me, like, I helped them. Yeah. And because of what I did and because I chose the path that I did, and it wasn't easy. And this book is really raw. Like, there was 
control issues and eating issues and exercise issues because when you feel so out of control, you know, I call it like the illusion of control. Yeah. Which is event planning also, right? We plan, we plan, we plan, but we don't have control. Like it can rain on your tent. I mean, you know. Right. So. um, Yeah, the flowers can come in. Yeah, I mean, you just, there's so many things. I mean, I call myself the chief damage control officer. Yeah, of course. Right. Firefighter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But that always, they all make me cry. Yeah. I mean, they really do. Every because time. Every time. Because the fact that people feel so much to reach out to me is yeah. beautiful. And it really, it really makes me feel good. It should. It should. And I, you know, I hope everybody listening goes out and get Jennifer, gets Jennifer Gilbert's book. I yeah. never promised you a goodie bag, but also look out for her new one that will be, when does your new one come out? When I finish get it, it together, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So okay. sooner or later, we'll come yeah, back to that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's great. But I, um, I, it's just first of all, it's always such it's such a pleasure knowing you. You're such a force. Thank you. Um, but also just your bravery of telling the story, and I'm, I'm so glad that you are so open about it because it, it does. It, you you have the strength that you know it took for you to get through is now being passed on in spades. I mean, I just think the lesson is you can't control what happens to you yeah. ever in this life as much as you want to, but you can control who you are after it happens. Yeah. And anybody can pick themselves up and say, like, enough, enough. Right. You know, I got to move on. Right. I got to forgive. I got to let go. Yeah. You know, I used to think my power was in the fight. Yeah. And, you know, the power is in the surrender. So it's... Wow. So that's a brings a tear to my eye. So thank you. Thank, thank you for you. coming thank and sharing you, this for me. for having me. Oh, this is wonderful. All right. Thank Thanks. You. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.